Hello and welcome to which what is once again going to be country of crime. One country, two murders, lots of crime with Kaylin and Elena. Well, this is actually going to be one country for Yes, because we're going to spend two weeks here. We are. Because even though it's the land of tea and crumpets and proper manas and all that, they also have some messed up people in their history. They sure do. So yes. we are in England yes. today and next. So this week and next week. Right. We'll be in England, um, which is kind of exciting. I, I my first, well, next week's case I've known about for a long time. And then today's case correlates with thir last Thursday's case. Right, which is so, why you're going first this week. Yes. But before we jump in. Yes, I also have some things. I, well, I, just, I just wanted to mention, and we can't give too many details. Okay. But we got a very wonderful, beautifully worded email. Yes. That we are working on our reply to. We've just had a hard time. Getting together yeah. with our schedules lately, but we just wanted that listener to know how much we appreciate you reaching out to us, and um, we just wanted to thank you and let you know we have not forgotten you. Yes, so. exactly. That was it. Was a crazy morning waking up yes. to that email, and I had to read and reread at least four or five times before I was even like comprehending everything that was right. happening. I was like, I what the fuck? <laughs> and then I texted you. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and I was in class and I'm like, I can't answer you right now. So, but, but yeah, that was amazing. That so. was. So we, yeah, we do need to work on that. Yes. But a couple of things before we start. Okay. I have now learned. Uh-oh. How angry some things make me. <laughs> As if our podcast had already talked about. Okay, but yes, but at the same time, this made me angry the uh -oh. moment I saw it, and it kept me angry. Oh boy, almost all day. And that is so. I was at work yesterday. Uh huh. And oh this is a this has been a big topic for quite a few years now. Okay. Leaving your fucking animals in a car. Oh, I yes, that and. Which correlates to this forgetting your kid in a car. Yes. Like neither one of those things makes any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, none. So yesterday I was at work and I work at a hotel and I had seen uh, a couple of guests who had parked. They had gotten themselves and their children out of the vehicle. They went, they checked in, they went to their room, whatever. I then probably about... 30, 15 to 30 minutes later. Oh, God. I look over and I realize there's a dog in their car. Did you call the cops? Please tell me you called the cops. So I called the front desk, let them know what's going uh -huh. on. And they were like, all right, we'll get a hold of them. Tell them they need to go get their dogs out of their right. car. Because we do have pet-friendly rooms. Exactly. It's an extra fee. Yeah. But we have Well, them. and it's been in the 90s here, for God's sake. It like, was hot who yesterday. Who the hell thought it was okay to do that? Exactly. And then I go to break, and the place where we smoke is near where they had parked. And then I realize there's not one, but two animals in that car. Oh, my God. So I then let the front desk know again, like, hey, there's actually two in there. You should have just called the cops. Well, like, I was also informed that any if we're working, to be able to call the cops, we have to go through the general manager of the properties. Oh, um, that's nice. That's a whole other level of bullshit. Well, had I known that they were going to wait two fucking hours. So are the dogs dead? No. They had moved their truck and parked in the shade and then waited to go get their dogs out of that fucking... Had I known that they were going to wait so long, I'd have just called the cops and taken the work ramifications later. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, ooh, and then I glared at the dude. I'm <laughs> He... Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with people. I so I'm just done. So fucking angry. It made mm -hmm. me so mad. And it kept me fucking pissed off almost all day yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't blame you. Oh, I don't understand. Well, and the other thing that pisses me off, and you you know, you and I have talked about how we both follow a lot of groups here in Mountain Home. Keep your damn dogs secured. Like, I'm so sick and tired of dogs just running free. And I get it. Every once in a while, your dog gets out. Yeah. Whatever. 
But this whole over and over and over again. When you see the same person posting, yes. hey, my dog got out. Yeah. Like, like, okay, take care of that. Right. Fix the problem. Ugh. But I'm just, yeah. Oh, it made me so... I'm just in a bad mood because my goddamn birthday got ruined again. What the heck? Well, first, Princess Diana dies on my birthday. Okay. And now we have this fucking mass shooting once again in Texas with some asshole who should never have been allowed to own a gun. I mean, his neighbor reported he used to sit on his roof and try to shoot her pets in her backyard. But, you know, of course, that's not enough to take away a gun from him. Jesus. I'm just done. I hate everybody. <laughs> so, you guys are actually going to hear this on the same day that it is recorded because we are a couple of days behind yes. because work schedules and Elena's birthday, which I wasn't going to ruin <laughs> more than apparently she, already had been. No. Yeah, I, I, bad things. I just hate <laughs> it. All right, so we got our coffee because it's, yes. it's a different day and we're. And I didn't even think that this was life. going out today, so yay. Yeah. That's kind of weird. We don't usually do this. So. No. All right, go ahead. Start your case, honey. Okay, so I'm we, sorry for... No, I went on on a tangent, too. It's yeah, fine. But that just pisses me off. Like, I want to... And my... Not my case that I'm doing for this week, but my next week's case already has me so upset. Oh, so, dear. just so you know. And, oh, my gosh. Have you watched... I know this is completely... Okay. I know Cheryl posted about it. Cause, yes. Oh, and Cheryl is a goddess, sweet angel, lovely, wonderful person. She's going to do our uh, social media for us. Yes. And so thank you, Cheryl. Big, big shout out. And also, Cheryl, we hope you're doing okay because... The hurricane. Yes. Yeah. She is in the path. She and Jaslyn and other people we love are in the path of the hurricane. So please be careful and safe. Yes. Um, but Cheryl had posted this. I don't know if you watch any, if you have or currently do watch any of the 13 Reasons Why. Okay. So I read the book 13 Reasons so Why I. when it first came out. I and I like it. Yeah. And yeah. I like it. The TV show I watched the first season, okay. it pissed me off so badly because it's interesting you brought this up because there is a list of how you deal and talk about suicide in the media, which that show breaks almost every single one of them. And I also teach a brilliant, brilliant piece called Every Brilliant Thing, which is a one-man play and HBO filmed it, and you, if you have HBO, you can watch it. It's it's still streaming. It's if you've seen it, it's beautiful it. and it's wonderful. That's how you talk about suicide. I'm sorry. I know people love that show, but I'm it's garbage, and it makes me so so angry because I feel like it does. It talks about it in such an irresponsible way, and it places blame on other people for suicide. And I'm sorry, that is not fair. And saying that, like, I understand, like, sometimes people don't treat each other the way that we should. There was the, the one big case where that girl was prosecuted for kind of coercing her, her boyfriend or whatever he was into committing suicide. That's a very extreme case. Oh, yeah. She was she yeah. was not coercing. She yeah. was just straight up telling him. Yeah. Just right, 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 right. That's a but, whole other fucking story. Yeah. Oh, but that bitch. But 13 Ugh. Reasons Why makes me furious. Okay. So I also read the book a long time ago. I don't know if it was like right when it came mm -hmm. out or whatever, but I did read it when I was still in high school. I think it was my, probably my freshman, sophomore uh -huh. year when I read it. And I love the book. So I realized that they were coming out with the show and I was really excited about it. And then it came out and it was kind of like, it's dramatic. It's good. It's melodramatic. It's, it's, it's just a lot. Mm -hmm. And have you ever found a show that you've watched and then you realize you're like, you really don't care about it, but now you're too invested to yes. not finish the stories? Mm -hmm. That's where I am with this show. So it's not very good. It's it actually is really annoying sometimes. Well, that's just it. I started watching. Um, so I watched. I, I did make myself watch the whole first season okay. because that's that's the season this that covers the, book. the arc of the book. Although there's a you know of, yeah. a lot of changes and yeah. omissions and blah blah blah. And then, like you, I was like, okay, I came this far and I'm already battered enough. So I tried watching the second season. And the first episode pissed me off so much. I'm, I'm done. Like, I can't even anymore. No. Yeah. So, I made it through the second season, and I am now finishing the third season. I have one episode left. Terrible. The third season fucking sucked. <laughs> it was so bad. 
the fact the the TV show in general has just completely shitted all over themselves. Mm-hmm. To be completely honest, because they are just trying to pack so many problems into a small group of people. Well, that's what I said. It's melodrama, and it's not. It's like everything that could possibly go wrong. Yeah is going wrong. And so they are just fucking smashing everything together and it's fucking terrible. Sorry, that had nothing to do with anything. Okay, I saw Cheryl okay. posted it and I yeah. wanted to see it do it. Okay, so we're gonna go back to jolly old England. So last week I talked about Mary Boyle, who yes. was the youngest and longest missing person in the yes. history of Ireland. And that case is cray cray. So crazy. And it's just so much ugh it's so confusing because everybody's stories conflict each other's stories, which is why Cheryl posted on our um, discussion group asking about, like, what happened to the uncle. Like, uh-huh. It said he left, but, like, what? Right. I can't answer you because everybody else's stories con- conflict each other. Right. So no one really knows what happened except for the people who know and aren't saying. And even, like, in the podcast, I think you and I both pointed out, like, it's just so weird that the whole th- arc of he's carrying a ladder across this land you know to return it to a neighbor and then so when would he have like the whole timeline of it is so damn weird yeah so okay so another suspect that was brought up in the missing mary boyle case was a convicted killer okay named robert black and i did i brought him up in the last one i told i told everybody i wasn't going to go into it because we knew we were doing this next um so Robert Black was born on April 21st, 1947. He, his mother was Jesse Hunter Black, but no one knew who his father was. Okay. She was unmarried. It was what they called an illegitimate child. Mm -hmm. And she ended up deciding to give him up for adoption before she bolted to Australia. Okay. She wanted, she didn't want to have to deal with the ramifications of having, having an illegitimate And what child. year was he born? I'm sorry. 47. Okay. So this was a time there would have been serious social repercussions for her. And it would have been difficult for her to even find a job that would allow her to raise him. Yeah. All right. So he ends up not being adopted and at six months old, he's placed with a middle-aged foster couple, um, the Tulips. That's a great name. It is a great name. So it was said that he show he was very antisocial. He was a very aggressive child. And this so- is kind of where the, when you look at it, cause they have, what is it called? The tri- what's the triangle with the serial killers? Oh yeah, yeah. The this was it. The tri is it this? I I don't. But I know it's the the bed wedding, mm-hmm. fire starting, and cruelty, cruelty to animals. animals. Yeah. And they say all serial killers have two of the three, but I've also heard that that's kind of been debunked. But anyway, yeah. go. So this was kind of the beginning of that. Okay. So he was a very aggressive child. It said that he threw a lot of temper tantrums. He would vandalize school property. He was a target of bullying, but he was also a bully to the younger kids. Yeah. Which we see a lot of with bullying. Right. We normally see the person being bullied then start bullying people to, well, and I always, to an extent. Or they bully and they get bullied back. And yeah. to me, that like that's the whole narrative from... Columbine, right? Is that, you know, at first it came out, oh, they were bullied. Well, then it turned out that was a bunch of bullshit. They were the bullies. Mm-hmm. And of course, people would fight. But you know what I'm saying? And then it becomes a vicious circle. So, yeah. Well, he was not very clean. He didn't have a good sense of self hygiene. Okay. And a lot of his classmates would call him Smelly Bobby Tulip. Okay. Which, I mean, to an extent, like, <laughs> Clean yourself. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, at, when he was five, he and a little girl the same age decided to compare their bodies. Okay. Which is normal for kids. Yeah. You know, show me yours, I'll show you mine. Yeah. Kids are curious. Exactly. And apparently this was about the time that he started thinking that he should be a girl. Okay. Which, I don't think this really comes up a whole lot later. But it was just like those kind of 
thoughts that okay. he was born in the wrong mm-hmm. body. And he ended up developing, like, a deep interest in not only women's bodies, but also his own body. Just, Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Right. It just started really young, his curiosity did, and it kind of got deeper than most kids do. And he, when he was eight, he started regularly putting things in his butt. Okay. And this was something that he would continue to do into his adult life. Now, is there any evidence that he was sexually molested or did he just start doing this or do we know we don't really know okay because i i'm thinking you know the 1940s early 50s people didn't talk about this stuff you know what i'm saying and i understand kids do weird things like you know shoving things up their nose and they do that Mm -hmm. but that this is a little extreme yeah well people would start Noticing that he would end up with bruises on his face, on his body. Okay. And he would regularly tell people, like, I don't know what happened. He just, like, didn't know how it happened is what he said. He would later talk about um, he had a problem with bedwetting. Okay. And anytime this would happen, his foster mom would beat him. Which is where the bruises would come from that he claimed that he didn't know what happened. Which, by the way, people... Boys in particular tend to wet the bed later into in into life, and it is not something they control. You know, take them to a doctor, rule everything out, and then also understand sometimes boys they're just because the way the plumbing is. You know, um, I've raised two kids that wet the bed late into life. For God's sake, buy them a pull up. Do not. Do not shame your children for this. So in 1958, when Robert was 11 years old, both of his foster parents had died. Oh my God. And he was placed into another foster family. And this is where he would commit his first sexual assault. Okay. He dragged a young girl into a public bathroom and fondled her. Okay. And his foster mother had found out and she reported it and insisted that he needed to be taken out of her house. She's like, this is it. Like, yeah, no. Which I would feel that way too, I exactly. think. Exactly. So he then gets placed into a mixed uh, co-ed okay. um, children's home. Which is not a good place For somebody for, who yeah. just got, who just yeah. sexually assaulted right. somebody. Like, not the best place. Well, he was said to expose himself to the girls there and on at least one occasion he forcibly removed the underwear of a girl okay and because of this he was then sent to the red house care home which is a high disciplinary all-male establishment this is where he is which i think that's probably where he should have gotten sent to in the first first place place, instead of putting him in a situation that you knew he was going to do right. something else. Right, yeah. If if his sexual crimes were strictly, you know, heterosexual in nature, do you know what I mean? Like, if he was always victimizing women, mm-hmm. white or girls, females, why are you placing him with females? Mm-hmm. So, when he was there, that is when he ends up being sexually assaulted. He himself. He himself. Okay. But this was after everything had Which already began. also horrific. You yes. know, I don't... Huh, okay. Um, he was, he said that he was sexually abused by a male staff member for three years. Normally, the staff member would force him into oral sex. And he kind of got his, tried to get his mind off it with football and swimming. And he like tried to kind of get into sports. Although football would have been what we call soccer. So. Yeah. And... Even then, he was still very quiet. He didn't really have any friends. So, in 1963, he left the Red House Care Home, and he got help from CPS and stuff like that, and he moved into another boy's home, and he got a job as a butcher's delivery boy. He then later said that he had fondled 30 to 40 girls while he made his deliveries. Oh my god. If 
he would like go up to the house to deliver something and he found out that like the young girls were there by themselves right. he would vent do you have what were the ages of his victims at that Just... point we don't really have any ages but he, this is all coming from him right so okay. he didn't give any ages but none of the incidents were ever reported none of the girls ever said which anything. again in the 19 you know not not that unusual tragic but not unusual yes so that same year, in the summer of 1963, Robert came across a seven-year-old girl playing alone in a park. Okay. He then lured her to a deserted air raid shelter. Uh-huh. And he told her that he was going to show her some kittens. And he held the girl by the throat until she lost consciousness. Jesus. And then he masturbated over her body. The next day, he was arrested and charged with lewd and libidious behavior. And he ended up having to get a psych exam. And that psych exam suggested that the incident was an isolated one and that he had no need for treatment. So, he was, um, he got an abonished, I can't. (laughs) A. Words. Admonished. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, that just means that it's the lowest punishment that he could have gotten. Right. That's basically like, it's just like a verbal reprimand, really. Yeah. They're like not even given a fine Mm -hmm. or anything. No. Yeah. So, not long after that, he moved to Grangemouth, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but that's okay, Um, where he ended up living with an elderly couple, and he worked for a builder supply company. He started dating a young woman that he met at a local youth club. He... She was known to be... She's his only known girlfriend that he's ever had. Okay. And they dated for several months, and he said that he had asked her to marry him, and she basically broke up with him when she when he asked her to marry him. And she ended their relationship partially because of his unusual sexual demands. Okay, so... Ooh. Yeah. And in 1966, his landlord discovered that he had molested their nine-year-old granddaughter <gasps> oh, when she visited the house. So they evicted him, but they did not inform the police. They wanted to spare their granddaughter from any for- former further words. <laughs> Ugh. Former Trump. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm just not. It's not happening. (laughs) And, you know, and I I think all too often that's still what is what happens today because Mm -hmm. sexual assault is traumatic for the victim in waves. It's not just the initial assault, but then there's that constantly having to talk about it and being interviewed about it and things like that that have long-term damaging effects and granted that I mean how else are the police and others going to find out about these crimes but that's one of the worst things about this that I don't think people understand yeah and I mean to bring up the 13 reasons why again I think that is one of the only good things they did with their third Mm -hmm. season is because there are more people that continue to get sexually assaulted in the show and one of the big conversations that they have that lasts quite a few episodes or actually the whole fucking season (laughs) is being able to figure out when they are themselves ready to then speak about it to other people that I think is one of the only few good things that they did with the show is they weren't making it look like people had to talk about it if it happened it was like go at your own pace and do it when you Mm -hmm. can so but you're right that most people don't talk don't go to cops because Mm -hmm. of things like that well because of this he then lost his job and he returned to the place he was living before which i if anybody has noticed i haven't actually said out loud because it's mouthful and i don't know if i'm gonna even get it close oh my gosh kinloch levin sure I don't know. <laughs> so he moved back there, uh-huh. and he ended up moving in with a married couple who had a six-year-old daughter. No. 
So within the year of him living there, his new land landlords informed the cops that he had repeatedly molested their daughter. God. He pled to three counts of indecent assault to a child, and he was sentenced to a year in a rehab program, which is for, it's specialized in training and rehabilitating um, serious youth offenders. So he later would talk freely about every aspect of his youth and adolescence, which we also know that it's hard to take the words of these Right, you don't know how honest he's being. And if he's going to add more things on to his childhood to make people feel bad for him so it looks right. like his crimes are exactly. lesser. Exactly, exactly. So he, we, we talked about that he had, brought up his sexual sexual abuse history in the Red House care home. Yes. But he refused to talk about anything that happened at this rehabilitation center. Okay. He wouldn't, nothing. All he said was he went there and he would never speak of it again. Okay. Which is strange. Mm-hmm. He also vowed to never be imprisoned there again. And so a lot of people who have interviewed him and stuff like that believe that something fucking bad happened. You know, maybe, or maybe it's just the fact that they were making him face and deal with, this is who you are. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't think something that traumatic happened to him. I'm sorry. I think it's more, he didn't want to have to deal with and take responsibility for what he did. Yeah. So... In September of 1968, which was six months after his release, he released, he moved back to London where he ended up living in what they call a bed sit. Yeah. Which is like a, it's kind of what we would call a, a studio apartment. Okay. It's where you have, you know, it, it's just a very small one room apartment basically. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, And between 1968 and 1970, he had very casual jobs, just like in and out. At one point, he was a lifeguard. So in other words, he couldn't keep a job and he was taking whatever he could find. And to add to a bed sit, very often the bathroom is like down the hall and you share it with other people. Like a communal bathroom type thing. Yes, yeah. Gotcha. Which was very common back then, actually. So... He ended up working as a lifeguard in one of these jobs where he was then fired for fondling a young girl, but no charges were brought against him. And he had, he had met a guy in a book, a bookshop. And because of this guy, he ended up collecting child pornography. Gross. Damn it. Um, initially, a lot of the the stuff that they had were magazine and pictures and stuff like that. Um, he would later end up with videos. Well, film back yeah. then. But, ugh. Yeah. And he was also said to be a keen photographer. Gross. No, no, no. So it was said that he would photograph children, mostly girls between the ages of 8 and 12, at different kinds of locations such as swimming pools and places where they're not wearing a lot of clothing, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would store all of his pictures and films and magazine cutouts in locked suitcases. He would, there was a pub that he used to go to a lot. He ended up being very good at darts. He met a Scottish couple, Edward and Kathy Rayson. And in 1972, he moved into their attic. Oh God. And they have no children. They have children. God damn it. They considered they considered kicking him out. Okay. But they really didn't have any reason to aside from his very poor hygiene. So they had also suspected him of viewing pornography porn. Uh-huh. But they had they didn't know that he was a pedophile. Okay. Um and he remained 
in their home until 1990. Oh, my God. Yes. So this one, I can't believe the length of this. Yes. So his next job that he got that he was actually able to keep was he was a long distance driver. So he did a lot of deliveries and that he would go from all across the UK and Ireland. As long as it was in continental Europe, he would drive there. Okay. Which is where it comes in where he was believed to be involved with the Mary Boyle case because they said because of his long distance driving, he had been in the area at the time. Okay. So his first murder was nine-year-old Jennifer Carty, who was kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and murdered on August 12th, 1981. Okay. She was last seen by her mother at 1.40 p.m. as she rode her bike to a friend's house, but she never made it there. Okay. A few hours later, her bike was discovered less than a mile away from her home, covered with branches and leaves, and the stand on the bike was down, which made investigators think that she had stopped and gotten off of her bike, not that she was, like, right, ripped off right. her bike. Okay. And... There was a search that over 200 volunteers had been involved in, but they never found anything. Six days later, two people discovered her body in a reservoir about 16 miles from her home. Uh-huh. Her body, it said that there were signs of sexual abuse, and the autopsy concluded that she had died of drowning and was most likely strangulated as well. Oh, jeez. She, the watch she had been wearing stopped at 5.40 p.m., which she was last seen at 1.40 p.m. hmm And the location of her body was near a major road between Belfast and Dublin, and... That led police to think that the murderer was familiar with the area and, like, lived in the area. The reservoir that her body was found in was frequented by long-distance delivery drivers and visible only yards away from where the that very busy road is. Okay. So that's why that they thought... They thought that whoever has been on this road before knows this area. Okay. So his next victim was 11-year-old Susan Claire Maxwell. She lived on the English, like on the English-Scottish border. She was abducted on July 30th, 1982, as she walked home from tennis. She was last seen alive at 4.30 p.m., crossing the bridge between the two areas, and she was likely abducted shortly after that. The following day, a search was uh, put on. They used dogs. They had 300 officers that were assigned full-time, and they ended up searching over 80 square miles of terrain that day. Okay. And several people reported to have seen a white van in the area. And one said that the van had been parked in a field gateway. Okay. And on August 12th, her body was found by a driver. And her body was under, it was covered with undergrowth. And her, it was, and she was clothed. Except for her shoes and underwear. Okay. The exact date and cause of her death have never really been determined because of how decomposed she was at the time. And she had been, but she had been bound. Oh my goodness, words. I cannot, (laughs) I'm not good at it today. She was bound and gagged with sticking plaster. Mm. And her underwear had been removed. Oh, they did find her underwear, I guess. Okay. I didn't, I forgot that. And, and sticking plaster would be kind of like Band-Aid material, the sticky part of Band-Aids. Okay. Or, yeah. Okay. Um, 
So her underwear had been taken off of her body, but was put under her head. Okay. Um, suggesting that she had been sexually assaulted. The coroner concluded that she died very shortly after being abducted. And she, she was in the back of Robert's van for over 24 hours as he continued his deliveries in different places. Yeah. I hate these kinds of things so much. The next day, he would return to Glas Glasgow. Glasgow? Mm -hmm. Glasgow, Glasgow, Scotland. Is that mm -hmm. right? Um, so he went back from Glasgow. Glasgow. Okay. Uh, to London, mm -hmm. where he then got rid of her body. Okay. Because her body had then been found 264 miles from where she was taken. Oh, jeez. His next victim is Caroline Hogg. She was five years old. She was his youngest known victim. And she disappeared while playing outside of her home. And that was on July 8th, 1983. She, she failed to return home by 7.15. And that's when her family started searching the streets for her. Because, I mean, five years old. Right. Um, a boy had told her family that they had seen Caroline with a man. Um, nearby and they searched there and then called the police and during the search it was or this search was the largest in Scottish history at the time it had over 200 local volunteers and 50 member 50 members of some sort of police force which they are not called police over there so but mm -hmm. same thing and they went over a couple of different towns that they had searched over. And by July 10th, her disappearance had made headline news across all across the UK, which you said last time was England, Scotland, Scotland. Ireland. Well, England, Scotland, Wales, Cornwall, and then, well, well, and I don't think Cornwall, sorry. England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland okay. are part of the UK. Sorry. So it was said that nine known pedophiles were identified to have been in the area on the night that she had disappeared. Jesus. And all were eliminated as suspects. There were many eyewitnesses that said an unkept, balding, furtive looking man wearing horn rimmed glasses watched her as she played and then followed her to a nearby uh, playground. And a 14 year old girl named Jennifer Booth had seen the little girl sitting with the man on a bench and she overheard the little girl replying, yes, please to some question that he had asked her. Mm -hmm. And then the two walked off the playground holding hands. Uh. Um, it said that was where a man, the man had paid for Car paid for Caroline to ride the carousel as he stood there and watched. And another witness stated to the police that they, as they left, Caroline looked scared. Aww. Um, she remained in the back of Robert's van for at least 24 hours as he delivered posters to Glasgow several hours after the abduction. He then refueled the van the next morning, and on July 18th, her naked body was found in a ditch about 310 miles away from where she had been abducted. And it was about 24 miles from where our last victim, Susan Maxwell, was discovered. So, again, her cause of death her exact cause of death couldn't be determined because of decomposition. And it was suggested that her body had been placed where it was found on or after July 12th. And he had made a delivery in the area on that same date. Um, the absence of her clothing suggests sexual assault. And the following March, there was a televised reconstruction a dramatization type thing of the abduction and that was broadcast nationally and it was kind of just begging for witnesses to come forward um her father said you think it can never happen to you but it has proven 
proven time and time again that it can and it could again if this man isn't caught in the near future. This one's just so awful, Kaylin. I know. So, after they found her body, the um, Staffordshire and... I'm sorry, I gotta get my glasses on here. Uh, Leicestershire. I can't say it either, but... So, there were a couple of different detectives had come together and they decided that... The same per they were for sure that the same person had murdered both Caroline and Susan. They knew they had a serial killer exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Because of the distances between abductions and discovery sites, but um, one of our prior victims was not linked to the rest of these girls okay. until 2009. Oh my gosh. And was that through his uh, confession or? We'll get there. Okay. So, because of the distance, the police also suspected that the um, murderer was a driver, Mm -hmm. a delivery driver, um, or a sales representative, because you also have to think that people have to go door-to-door for sales. Um, And that was the reason on the travel extensity of all of the locations, why everything was so far apart, Mm -hmm. and why they were taken so far before they were dumped. And... um, both girls had likely been, or had been bound and likely subjected to se- sexual assault, just like the previous murders of the rest of them. And each had been wearing white ankle socks, uh-huh. which is said to my, it might have been like a trigger, which I think is fucking bullshit. Because well, I was going to say white ankle socks were so common. Right. But again, too, that doesn't mean he didn't have some fetish or something associated mm-hmm. with them. So. so this task force also said that they believed that their killer was most likely an opportunist, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I would say. It seems like he was. You know what I mean? Find him and then yeah. disappear and travel. You know, like he was probably tying it to leaving and going places and all those sorts of things. And they had also said that they had also decided that he was probably a delivery driver because of the day of the week that the girls had been um, abducted. Mm -hmm. They were both abducted on a Friday. So they figured that that could tie into some sort of delivery schedule. Right. And the following August of 1982, or after August of 1982, when one of the when Susan's body was found, um, there were multiple links between Scotland and the Midlands of England, and so everybody was kind of connected, trying to figure this out. Well, they ended up coming up with what they now call the Holmes database. Okay, and all of all information relating to both of the child murders. Because at this point, those are the only two they had connected at that point in time because they were so close together. Um, They had made a card filing system. It contained over 500,000 index cards relating to one of the girls' cases alone. You know, that's amazing because I guess we're talking, you know, pre-computer here. And they were already trying to create a database and a central clearinghouse mm-hmm. for information, which, again, good on them for being ahead of the curve. Right. And it said that there were a lot of criticisms because of the recent Yorkshire Ripper um, murders that had gone on in the same time period. And that had become overwhelmed due to the volume of the card filing mm-hmm. system that they were using. And so a lot of people were, like, very critical of the home system because it was like, well, it, you guys had so much shit on the Yorkshire Ripper, and then here we are. So, like, why do you think it's going to help here? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, our next victim is Sarah Harper. And she was a 10-year-old girl that was disappeared at about 7.50 p.m. on March 26, 1986. And she left her home to go buy a loaf of bread at a corner shop that was 100 yards away from her home. The owner of the shop confirmed that she had bought the loaf of bread and two packs of chips before um, and then left 
by 7.55 p.m. So she left her house. It should have only, so it only took about five minutes because. Right, it wasn't that far. Exactly. And the shop owner said that a balding man had briefly entered the shops moments later and then left as soon as she had finished making her purchases. Sarah was last seen by two alive by two girls walking into an alley towards her home. When she had not returned by 8.20, her mom and her younger sister briefly walked around the streets trying to find her. They went to look for her. And she then went to the police and reported her as missing. And immediately there was an extensive search, which this is one of the great things that I've noticed as we've been. I was going to say that the English police are on top of things. Uh Like, you know, you have parents that, okay, my kid's 20, 30 minutes late coming home. They go to the police. The police immediately search. There's none of this bullshit of well maybe they ran away or but you know what exactly. i mean it's like they're right on it exactly that's exactly what i was going to say because here we hear time and time and time again these parents going in well not just and the cops are like well we have to give it 24 48 hours they probably just ran away they'll be back they just went to do this they just went to go drink or do some drugs or shit like that but and then most of these kids are found out to have been hurt. And in you know some what? If they form. did just disappear to go drink or do some drugs, go fucking find them. Exactly. So like good on these, good on the English police officers because they, it's like as soon as they go in, it's immediate. And I don't know if it's because at the time they had been broadcasting these two girls that mm-hmm. had just been taken and killed, if right. that may be why. But... From what we see right now, it seems very instant, and I love it. So, over 100 police officers were assigned to a full-time search for the girl. They went house to house across her area. Wow. They searched over 3,000 properties and more than 10, I don't know what a leaflet is, Oh, those oh, are the pamphlets. pamphlets. Stupid. That yeah. was so dumb. I don't know why I just said that. Because no, as fine. soon as I read it, I was like, I know what it is. And then it, stupid words came out of my mouth. Well, which if any of you know me, know that happens a lot. So <laughs> um, there were over 10,000 of those distributed. And there were 1,400 witness statements that were taken. These cops are fucking doing their shit. Yeah. They ended up searching surrounding land with not only the 100 police officers that they had but also 200 local volunteers had joined and they searched a reservoir near in the area as well with underwater units looking so this was a huge huge search well two suspicious men had been loitering near a a transit van area where she in the area of where she had been abducted and they had been seen loitering on the same route that she would have taken to the corner shop it says one of them was stalking and balding which now this is the third time we have heard of right. a balding man and I I don't know if I've shown you a picture of him I saw it when yeah. you brought it up yeah so They were sure that this was probably the dude. And the police dispatched all of their forces requesting that they search all of the locations that they had previously discovered child murder victims. They, um, so this was nationwide for all of the locations that had any child murder victims. They wanted the police to like come together with all their shit. So this is another thing that we don't really, we didn't see at this time often in the U.S. is police units asking other police units for information because like you and I have talked about a lot that they very much it's like this is my jurisdiction get the fuck out I'm gonna figure it out on my own you know what I mean right on April 3rd there was a press conference and Sarah's mother informed journalists that she feared her daughter was dead and that the worst she had and that the worst torment she and her family had ever endured was the uncertainty of not knowing. She had made a direct appeal to her daughter's abductor to reveal the whereabouts of her body 
And on April 19th, a man discovered Sarah's partially dressed, gagged body floating in a river 71 miles from where she was abducted. Ugh, no. The autopsy showed that she had died between five and eight hours after she was last seen alive and that the cause of her death was drowning. She had injuries to her face, forehead, head, and neck, and those most likely rendered her unconscious prior to being thrown in the water and drowning. Mm-hmm. She had also been the victim of a violent, violent sexual assault also before she was thrown in the river. And this caused pre-mortem internal injuries that the pathologist described only as, and I quote, simply terrible. So days after her body had been found, another witness had contacted the police saying that at approximately 9.15 p.m. on March 26th, he had seen a white van with a stocky, balding man standing by the passenger door, passenger door parked close to um, a tributary, which was also in the area of where she was dumped. So the investigators took his um, his account very seriously because they have now realized that this bald, stocky, bald man has come up a lot, mm-hmm. and they. Robert ended up refueling his van the next afternoon and had driven her to the tributary which where she was found. Now, he, it says that he very likely got on the motorway as soon as he dumped her body. And then would have to refuel his car, his van, not long after that. Okay. So they started going through these gas stations and they had asked about this white van, anything that seemed out of place, but nobody was able to really give any descriptions. So he then, we're going to talk about him getting captured okay yeah yeah i didn't realize where we were on time (laughs) holy cannoli that's all right so he was arrested on july 14th 1990 god it took long enough right a 53 year old retired postmaster was mowing his front lawn when he saw a blue transit van uh pull over across the road the driver then got out of the van cleaned his windshield as the six-year-old daughter of his neighbor passed the field. So he was no longer able to see him. He got She got out of view of okay. him. Okay. And as he stooped to clear the cuttings from the lawnmower, he saw the girl's feet lifting from the pavement. <gasps> no. And then he straightened himself and was able to see that the driver of the vehicle was pushing something into the passenger okay. door, which we now know is... This little girl. Yes. And he got in the car, started the engine, and he had then realized that David Herks had then realized that he had just witnessed an abduction. Right. So he, thank God for this man, got the license number, called the, he was able to get the license number, and then he ran to the little girl's home. And had her mom call the police. Okay, because good. he now had the license plate number right, so they could right. get him. And now, I don't know if you've noticed, but his van has changed colors. Yes. It went from white to blue. blue. So, within minutes, six police vehicles had arrived in the area. And David had described the van to the officers. He told them what direction he was claim- he was driving. And, lo and behold, he was driving right back past him. And the dude's like, this is him. Oh, thank God. And an officer, this man, this officer, he got in front. Of the van. Of the van. And just stood there? Just stood there. What? That's a hero. But stupid. Stupid, but still heroic. Yes. (laughs) So much that we call heroism is actually stupidity, but you survived and it worked. Exactly. (laughs) 
So, I mean, very stupid thing to do, but it's fine. So, he did stop, thankfully. Officer didn't get hurt. But he did end up pulling the driver from his seat and handcuffing him. And then the other officers, one of the officers, oh, crazy, his the father of the little girl who had just been abducted was a police officer. Oh, God. And she was okay. So, he, he opens the rear of the van and he was calling his daughter's name and he sees a sleeping bag. No. He unties the drawstrings and discovers his daughter inside. Her wrists are bound behind her back. Her legs are tied together. Her mouth is bound and gagged with, again, sticking plaster. And there is a hood tied over her neck. But she is alive. Thank God. I hate you for making me <laughs> go through that. <sighs> oh, I love doing that to you. But God, he works fast, too. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ugh. So, Robert Black then said, quote, It was a rush of blood to the head. I've always liked little girls since I was a small kid. I tied her up because I wanted to keep her until I had dropped off, until I dropped a parcel off. I was going to let her go. He Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He um, said that his victim was only a little girl. God, what an asshole. So how many girls did he kill overall that we know of? Did, did you have a total? I didn't okay. write down a total, but I can get one. Okay. Because this no. is just so awful, though. So she had been sexually assaulted, but she was alive. So, I mean, I don't really know. I don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. to know, like. Is that, you know what I mean? I know, Especially I know. with kids. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, okay, come on. It is better to be a lot. I'm sorry, it is. And especially if you get her help, blah, you know what I yeah. mean? And yeah. and there's something, too, about, well, I don't even want to get into things. But anyway, no, it's good that she's alive. Well, this little girl was able to, which I don't know why they needed to do this. This is something that I'm like, okay, you guys did a lot of things right, but then, like, why this? Uh-huh. Like, why do you need to do this? Because they stop the van. Right. They find him they driving ca- they the catch, van. They catch him red-handed. Exactly. Why do you need the little girl to point out who he is? Yeah. Why do you need him to, why do you need her to pick him out of a lineup? Mm-hmm. Why? You found her tied up. In his van. Mm -hmm. And pulled him out of the van. They were in the van driving. Why does she have to point him out? I do not like that. I don't either. I do not like that at all. There is no need for it. Well. Going on. So they take him to the police station. He admitted to sexually assaulting the girl. And he said that he had not done more to her because he didn't have much time. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was charged with um, child abduction, which they call something else over there, but I can. Sorry. Plagium? I don't know. It's when you kidnap kids. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a child abduction. And he was um, held for pre trial. And as he waited. For his July 16th court appearance, the detective noted the similarities between this abduction and three of the other child abductions and killings in previous About areas. time. Yes. So on July 16th, um, the superintendent had traveled from Wakeville, Wakefield to interview Robert in Edinburgh and... Although the answers in his interview were brief and mostly just like, meh, mm-hmm. it left him the feeling that this is the man that they've been looking for. And at his initial hearing, he was ordered to stand trial for the abduction of this little girl and then was transferred to another prison. Which is good. These are good things. Yes. So they searched his van and they found restraining devices, assorted ropes, sticking plasters, and hoods. They well, I was going to say, this guy is obviously just like a predator to yeah. the max. Like he is stalking these little girls. Granted, it might be he sees them and that's how he picks a victim. But then there's 
stocky behavior. He is well-prepared. Okay. He has a ritual down that he goes through. And also the way he disposes of the bodies is so callous and cold and brutal that, I mean, he's just the worst of the worst of the worst. I hate him. I want him to die. But I know England doesn't have the death penalty, but I still want him to die. <laughs> yeah, they pulled their death penalty in, what, the early 60s? Something like that, Something like yeah. That. Um. So there was, again, the ropes, the sticking plaster, the hoods, a Polaroid camera, numerous articles of little girls' clothing, a mattress, and a selection of sexual aids. He claimed that on his long-distance deliveries, he would uh, dress in the children's clothing before masturbating, but he gave no plausible extra, um, explanation for any of these sexual AIDS. I put AIDS in air quotes, by the way, because I don't like that word uh -huh. for it being like sexual. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Creeps me out. So he, there are Scottish detectives that get involved and they find the large collection of child pornography. There was a magazine or there was a large collection of child pornography magazines, books, photographs, video films, everything. Um, there were 58 videos and films total that they had found and they had, that he had claimed to have bought in the continental Europe. And there were also several items of children's clothing in his home, a <sighs> semen stained copy of a newspaper detailing the 1988 attempted no, abduction. No, 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 of no, no. Girl. So he's also collecting trophies. He's mm -hmm. masturbating over memories of his crime. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So anyway, just tell, <laughs> what does this monster get? So there's a lot of trials. Because it's not going to be enough. No. So there's a lot of trials. He has the abduction trial. He has murder trials. He then has another murder trial. And he, all in all... Because we're over now. Okay, so, all in all, from all of these different trials, he ends up serving, or he ends up getting sentenced to 12 life sentences. Wow. 12. Which is a lot. Like, he's not getting mm -hmm. out. No, no. There's no... <laughs> They're making sure that there's no way he's ever... Yeah. Yes. So, like you said, England does not have the death penalty, but he did get 12 life sentences, uh -huh. which I'm sure that makes you a little happier. Yes. Another thing that will make you happy is that he is not still alive. Good. So, he ended up dying of a heart attack on January 12th, 2016. His body was cremated... And on January 29th, there were no family, no friends, nobody present at his service. Yeah. So, um, there was a reverend there. Mm-hmm. Who got paid, I'm sure. Oh, I'm or sure. Or it was just part of his job. And he, the reverend read a section of Psalm 90, which I'm not, I don't, I'm not familiar yeah. with it. I can be, I don't but care. I don't, really I don't care. care. I don't even yeah. want to know. He didn't deserve it. And his ashes were scattered at sea on, in February of 2016 from the same reverend that was reading for the service. There are some other victims that police think may I'm have been sure. involved, but that's a lot more, and I don't really want to go into that today because we've already are over an hour. Yes. And, and I can't take any more right yeah, now because... There's, there's quite a few more um, possible victims. Oh, I'm sure. And, and one of them, of course, was possibly Mary. Mary, yes. That he could have been doing deliveries over in Northern Ireland. Yes. and Because he was only convicted of four murders, mm -hmm. but... We know he did a hell exactly. of a lot. And it, not just murders, but he had a hell of a lot more rapes under his belt. Yes. And... Um, detectives do believe that he... There were at least eight victims of murder but we don't know what other victims of like sexual assaults mm -hmm. and abductions that they had been returned yeah. you know what i mean so there's a lot more into that if any of you want to like look into that but oh god okay we're gonna wrap sucks. this up because this is a long one and it's a horrible one and i can't take anymore and i'm already done and we have three more shows to take today so yeah. 
We want to thank all of you for listening and bearing with us. This was a horrible case. It was. I'm going to, we're going to, we normally take a little bit of break in between. Yeah. So I will take that to upload this. Yes. So you guys are going to hear it whenever you listen, <laughs> I guess. If you listen today, you're going to hear it. And she's staring at her wrist as she says this. She just checked her wrist as if she were wearing a watch. I don't wear watches. That is the mode of our brains today. So we thank you all for listening. Uh, we thank you. Um, as as appallingly slow as we have been to answer our email, we do want to thank you and do email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We've been doing a better job of mm-hmm. updating Twitter and Instagram. For Check sure us have. out there. And we're looking forward to Cheryl taking that over. And I'm sure she will do a fantastic job with it. I hope so. Cheryl, uh, I really hope you can Twitter because we were both really bad at it. Yes. And, and again, we're sending you... <laughs> all our positive thoughts for the hurricane right now. Right. And anyway, thank you again for listening. If you're listening on an Apple product, make sure you go into your Apple podcast and rate and review us. It helps us tremendously. So we'll see you Thursday. Bye. Bye.